0: As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. Today, we are um, in Proverbs 29. We'll be starting with verse 5. And then going down through chapter 30 down to verse 19. So, we'll jump right in. Um, but, and before we do, just as a word, um, we um, will probably be finishing uh, Proverbs uh, tomorrow. It's got 31 chapters and we're right at the very end of it. And then after that, we'll be starting the book of Philippians. And I can't wait. And uh, my co-host uh, in Zambia, Mitali, um has been uh, traveling with family. I'm not sure uh, if she's going to be back on the podcast today. I'll, um, as soon as she's able uh, to have access to that, uh, to be able to podcast again, I will, we will get her right back on the podcast. So, for me to all of you, let's just jump right in. <clears throat> Verse 5 of chapter 29, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. If you're hearing somebody just trying to flatter you, be careful, and if you're if you fall in the same trap to do the same thing, be careful yourself. Flattery, I think, is a way to try to win another person's favor, and it and it does so from a standpoint of you're putting a lot of things in in, uh, in the center of your heart that don't need to be there. If you're trying to flatter someone, you're trying to make a friend, you're trying to win a friend, you're trying to win power or influence over someone else. And you're, uh, using your tongue, using your words really cheaply. And of course the Proverbs say over and over and over, be careful how you use your tongue. Your tongue should be used, uh, to do God's work, not to do your, um, Your agenda, and when you start putting, uh, when you start putting your pride uh, there, you start putting flattery. You start building others up falsely, and it feeds into pride. It feeds into godless behavior, and you have to be really, really careful about how you speak. You need to speak with discernment and wisdom. You need to listen with discernment and wisdom too. Verse ten. We're we're just uh, skipping to the high points of chapter twenty nine. Chapter 10, bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. When people have um, very intense feelings in their hearts of not being of God, they get to the point where what they want is so important that they can justify killing someone else. And people who thirst for that blood those are people who are so far away from God, they will usually hate people who are upright people. Because people who are upright will get in their way, not just physically, but with a moral uh, stance. And that convicts them. That is such a convicting thing to a blood first, bloodthirsty person. They hate uh, that because, of course, they hate being condemned themselves. And of course this verse speaks straight to Jesus Christ one who is blameless um Jesus Christ and and he he lived out that he personified uh that that bloodthirsty tendency A fool gives full vent to his spirit but a wise man quietly holds it back So people who just say every single thing they think It can be very foolish, but you need to hold back everything you're thinking. You want to speak with discernment. Again, this is talking about your heart, and it's talking about your mouth. And again, to know what's in somebody's heart, all you have to do is listen to them talk. Listen to what comes out. That'll tell you right what's in their heart. Whether they're speaking foolishly, whether they're just popping off at the mouth, or just saying anything that comes in their head, or they're trying to lavish praise on one another. Just false praise. Verse 12, If a ruler listens to falsehood, all his officials will be wicked. Well, it's talked about how we're speaking and what's in our hearts. Now it's talking about how we're listening. If you're listening to falsehood and you have authority over other people, look at how your behavior as a leader can affect the conduct of all the people who are working with you. You can spread, you can affect people's uh, lives and behaviors by your behavior. So leaders have to be extra specially careful in how and what they listen to. And it also goes back to the importance of the discernment of the listener. The ruler has to be listening with discernment, but it also, the officials who are under him, if they're not listening with discernment to the, to the, um, to the unwise ruler, then they're going to fall into the same trap. Verse 17 and 18 kind of go together. It talks about the importance of spiritual understanding. Let's look at them. Verse 17, Disciple your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. I read that as disciple. It should. I should have read that as discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Discipline your son. And verse 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So we're talking about disciplining your son. He will give your delight to your heart. Now, delight is joy or happiness, and that's another word for blessing, because as we were studying the, the, uh, the Psalms, we learned that. The word, uh, the Latin form of the word "blessed" comes from "beatus," and that means to give joy, to give happiness, or to give delight. If you discipline your son, then he can take over your discipline and give you rest, and that will give you joy. The discipline that comes from the spiritual understanding, the spiritual understanding of God's word, is discipline. So, this whole proverb, again, is this letter to the father telling the son he needs to seek wisdom. And it could be the father also, that, that hypothetical father, but it could also be the father Solomon talking to his son, talking about giving he, him the desire to seek wisdom. And it's also, in a third way, talking about our father in heaven telling each one of us his children how important it is to come after His wisdom so that we can learn. And one of the things that wisdom gives you is discipline, spiritual discipline, to know how to have discernment, to know how to be able to not only listen with discernment and discipline, but speak with discernment and discipline, and have your heart centered on things that are of God. And when we do that, we bless our Father in Heaven because we give our Father in Heaven joy. Just like any other son would give their earthly fathers joy. And when there's no prophetic vision or, as McGee points out, no understanding of the Word of God, people will cast off restraint. In other words, they won't have discernment. They won't have they won't think through their actions and thoughts and deeds with discipline. But blessed is he who keeps the law. You'll be happy if you keep the law. And again, in the Psalms, Psalm chapter 1 talked about the blessed man. Happy is the man who keeps the law. And it talks about the happy man in, the, in Psalms chapter 1. And that's The happy man, the blessed man, that was a reference to Jesus Christ. Jesus was a happy person because he was blessed. He kept the law. He was the God of hope and the God of joy. When we follow him, we give our Father joy. Just the same way that Jesus gave the Father in heaven joy. Verse 20, do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There is more hope. For a fool than for him. Don't be fast to talk. Again, it talks about how you talk. Verse 26. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. So you know what? Many people want to talk to the boss or the important people. Or they feel like if they could just speak to the higher person or the CEO or the, the head honcho. You know They want to seek the face of the ruler. But you're not going to get a fair deal from anybody except the Father in Heaven, the Lord, our Jesus Christ. He's the only one who will treat you fairly. He'll treat you more than fairly because He died for you. That's the one you want to seek the face of. So then you have to ask yourself, how do you spend your day Are you spending your day trying to flatter or trying to just run after whoever is in charge of you so you can try to win their favor? Don't be that way. Have discernment in the way you speak, in the way you listen, in the way you act. And don't run around just trying to seek whoever is important over you. They won't do you right in the end. You may think they will. But everybody lets you down in some way. The only person completely true to you is the Lord Jesus. Now we'll jump into chapter 30. Now these are the words of Agar, A-G-U-R. Now that uh, says it was probably not written by Solomon. The last uh, couple of Proverbs were written by the men of Hezekiah. Now those are probably people that Solomon directed to write his Proverbs for him. Agar is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. We don't know who Agar is. It's kind of an unknown person. Some people say that was a nickname for Solomon, but there's no biblical proof of it. So the way this uh, uh, reads in in my research, it's just it's an unknown person. But somehow God wanted us to hear these uh, proverbs. And so um, it's here for a reason for us to learn from. We'll drop down to verse four. And it starts off very very interesting uh, phrasing here. "Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? <clears throat> Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Interesting. It's almost like he's sarcastic here. Like, who do you think's gone to heaven and come back down? And who can gather the wind in his fist? Nobody can do that. Nobody's gone to heaven and come back down. And who's wrapped up the waters in his garment? Who's done that? Nobody can do that. And who's established all the ends of the earth? Who's made the heavens and the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Well, man doesn't know. And it's interesting that he not only asks of his name, but that he has a son. It sounds like it's talking about the Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. And he's done and he does it sort of in a sarcastic way. Surely you must know. And let's start reading the first verse here because i kind of skipped over it the man declares i'm weary oh god i'm weary oh god and worn out surely i'm too stupid to be a man i have not the understanding of a man i've not learned wisdom nor have i knowledge of the holy one so it's interesting agar here takes almost a sarcastic tone you know He says, you know, compared to God, you know, I'm so tired, I'm just worn out, my body's frail, and I'm just too stupid. I I don't know anything. I don't even have the understanding of even a person. I've not learned any wisdom. I don't know anything compared to you. And I don't have any knowledge of you. And, and, And he's asking a bunch of rhetorical questions like nobody can... Can go to heaven and come back down. Nobody can do all the things that the Lord can do. What is his name? What's his son's name? You know? It's just a bunch of rhetorical questions that nobody can answer. You know? You think you're something big. And he's just putting you back down. Like all this wisdom that you think you tried to learn. You know? You know anything? Does anybody know anything? You know, okay, you've read 29 Proverbs. Do you know something? And he's saying, I don't know anything. Even though I, you know, might have studied, I'm just worn out. I don't know anything. Because nobody can know what God knows. And then verse 5, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. The word of God, again, is a reference to Jesus Christ as it says in john chapter 14 verse 6 i am the way i am the truth and i am the life no one comes to the father except through me he's the way he's the truth every word is true and we shouldn't add our own words to this and our it's not about us at all because our words aren't true Verse 7, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needed, that is needful for me. What does he ask? What does he ask? He wants to be around truth, doesn't he? He says, I don't want any falsehood and liars around me. I can't take it anymore. I'm so sick of liars. I'm so sick of things letting me down, people letting me down. I'm so sick of wanting something and expecting something and never getting it. I just want what's true and what's right. That's what he's asking. I'm worn out, God. I don't know anything, and nobody can know everything you know. All I want is to... Not be around any more liars. I just want to hear the truth. I want to be around people who speak right to me. And I'm not hoping for poverty or riches. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me. I don't want to be around. Please don't make me poor. But I don't want to be wealthy either. I'm not trying to be rich. I just want to be fed Food, Word of God, the Word of God has been called food. It's been called the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus Christ is the only truth in the world, and He's also the bread of life. And His Word is the only riches you need to go after, because it says His Word is worth far more than gold or silver silver or even rubies. It's Jesus Christ, and that's what He is hoping for, just that. The, the provision that comes from from God. Verse twelve are those who cl- there are those who are clean in their own eyes, but not washed of their filth. They're people who say they're saved. They're people who who say that they're Christian, or they're people who might say that they're walking with God, but they haven't truly allowed their humble hearts to let them be changed, to let them be cleansed of their sin. It all comes back to that humble heart, doesn't it? And then verse 13. There also, there are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. They have pride in their hearts. They've not allowed themselves to be saved by the Lord Jesus. They've not asked to be forgiven of their sins they've never allowed or never accepted in their hearts that they are sinners that they need christ to die for them and if they don't do that god says i don't want you to i don't care if you follow all these laws what i do want is i want your heart pride if you lie to other people you can lie to yourself too once you start lying to yourself it's easy to lie to other people if you boost yourself up to other people you boost your own self up inside you you set yourself up for pride the lord hates pride the leech has two daughters give and give there are three things that are never satisfied fourth never say enough Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and fire that never says enough. He's trying to say, he's trying to give us examples that we can relate to. One is the grave. The grave's never satisfied. It always is ready for somebody else to join the grave. Doesn't that scare you to death a little bit? It it just puts it in perspective that we've been given this gift of eternal life. By Jesus Christ. The barren womb. You know how mothers who cannot conceive, they're never, they're never going to stop wanting a child. It's that infertility, that thing, and by fathers too. That barren womb, that just that hole in your heart. The land never satisfied with water. After a rain, the land is always thirsty for more. And the fire that never says enough. Enough fire wants to burn out it wants another log or something else to burn it just looks it's hungry for it those are things that you can just relate to that never get quenched the it's just like a leech we we just there are things that just never get quenched the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures that's kind of graphic isn't it but one who mocks your father and scorns to obey the mother, will have a will have a heart that is just not centered to please your parents. Has no honor there, and it's a lot of this. I think is describing human nature. the The heart that is always lustful. It's it's like the grave that always wants another body. Or a barren womb. Or the land that's never satisfied. It's like our human nature. It's never satisfied with sin. Just like a fire that that is always hungry for another log to burn. It's our human nature that wants to commit more and more sin. Wanting to lust after some something or someone. Or wanting more treasures of physical wealth. Or just feeling like you don't ever have enough money or you don't ever have enough success or you don't have, ever have enough popularity. Those things are, are some things that the body, the, spirit, the, the physical body, the human nature just never is quenched by. <clears throat> and the human nature that <clears throat> mocks your father and mother is is bad in another way because you do you do dishonor to something and people that you're supposed to honor. Verse eighteen: There are things that are too wonderful for me; Four, I don't understand. Three things are too wonderful for I don't even understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin they're just things about life that the that the um the writer here says i just it's just too much for me. Everything that God knows is too much for me, and there's human nature is just never satisfied by physical things. There's some people that walk around thinking they're um Thinking they're saved, but they're not. And they have pride in their heart. They dishonor their parents, and I'm just seemingly surrounded by falsehood and lying. I'm not asking for too much, and I'd appreciate it if you if you spare me from too little. I just want what you provide for me. And he says, "There's just things too wonderful for me. I don't know how an eagle flies, where he's going to go, or the way a serpent." sits on a rock and does what he does in a ship on the high sea. How it floats and how it just walks around. I mean, how it floats around and how the water seems to hold it up. It's just amazing how those things work. The properties of those things. Or even the heart of a man. How it changes with, with a young lady. How just that emotion, that love, changes someone's human nature. It can inspire someone to, to change your whole personality. It's hard to know how all those things know, but God knows those things. So, I hope this was helpful and encouraging to you. These are uh, a lot of insightful type Psalms uh, written by uh, Agar, another one of the contributors to the book of Proverbs. Maybe he was a friend of Solomon. Who knows? But God uses him to add some really interesting perspectives. And it's almost like, um, like we were saying to begin with, a lot of rhetorical questions and a lot of sarcastic, you know, type or, or or sarcastic talk. Like, you know, he's more like a realist. Like, nobody knows any of this. You know. And he makes reference to Jesus Christ in this. You think you know? You think you know who made all this? And you even think you know his son? You don't know, and you don't even know how a bird flies. That's how far away from him we are. So, again, the fear of the wisdom, the fear of uh, the beginning of the wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I think this kind of chapter, um, this kind of chapter. Uh, goes um, a good ways in that. It just gives us that perspective that we're not as smart as we think we are. And we need the Father in heaven more than we even think we do. And if we realized how far we would fall without the Lord Jesus, how far down into the grave we would be, how far we would fall we would then realize to approach our time in prayer, our time in study with utter reverence before His awesomeness. That's fear of the Lord. Not fearing Him. He's a good Father, fearful of our own sin and what our own sin does to us and what it can do to us. So, very insightful uh, proverb, uh, very, uh, very useful. I think for us today. So, from me to all of you, uh, I look forward to seeing you next time. I pray that uh, each one of you will keep your heart centered on Christ. For me to all of you, God bless you, and I'll see you next time.